Here's Pastor Ed Ray. God wants to change you, change your eternal destiny, not just for this time, but from here for 13.8 billion light years and still going. Infinity, no finite, without measurement is what that statement says. Jesus makes the claim to be eternally existent. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. It's my pleasure to welcome you now to Grow in Grace. It's great to have you along. And in just a moment, we'll turn the program over to Pastor Ed Ray. We're about to pick up where we left off in the Gospel of John. And if you'll recall, last time we were together, Jesus was involved in a rather ugly exchange with the Jewish religious leaders of his day. They were openly hostile towards him. And in the midst of it all, Jesus throws out a very interesting question. And it's one we need to come to terms with ourselves. In the end, we'll discover there really is no good reason for rejecting the Lord. Here's Pastor Ed in John 8. 600 years before this, Aesop's fables. Aesop was a Greek-speaking slave in what is modern-day Western Turkey. And very bright, he wrote all kinds of little short stories, and we tend to call them children's stories. They're not. They're very sophisticated lessons about life. And one of his stories is called The Farmer and the Viper. Think, when you say viper, think snake. We live in Southern California, so think rattlesnake, right? So the farmer's walking along a cold winter day, icy ground, he sees a viper that's almost dead. It's so cold, it's not moving. He feels sorry for the snake. He picks it up, puts it inside his jacket. And then the snake begins to be warmed up by the man's body temperature. The snake wakes up, realizes there's somebody that has him captured, bites him in the chest, and he's poisoned. And the farmer knows he's going to die. And so Esau put these words in the farmer's mouth. The farmer said, if you don't mind if I ask you something, there is no logic in you biting me. Why did you do it? Foolish farmer, said the snake, you knew I was a snake before you picked me up. It was nothing to do with logic. It's just my nature. So the viper is saying he couldn't change his own nature. That's the way he was. Jesus is not saying that to these Pharisees, nor to you if you're here without knowing him. He's saying, I have given you volition, the ability to choose. And if you will choose me, I will change your nature. It's called the new covenant, predicted in Jeremiah and Ezekiel in the Old Testament. God speaking says, I will take out your heart of stone that's how you came. That's how I came, every one of us. You surrender to me. I'll take out your heart of stone. I'll put in a new heart. I will put my Holy Spirit within you, and I will, get this, cause you to walk in my ways. 
That's the miracle that God does for a heroin addict who walked in here a few weeks ago, put his hand up, surrendered his life, and then God took away his desire for heroin. And he is clean today. I just talked to him. That's a change of nature. This is not New Year's resolutions, okay? How are you doing on yours? We don't do very well at changing ourselves, changing our nature, but God wants to change our nature, to change our desires. And we find ourselves desiring to do the right thing, not to do the wrong thing. So that's what's going on here. Jesus is trying to get them to surrender their lives to him and not debate this. He didn't want to win the debate. He's trying to give them a new nature. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me, verse 45. You don't believe, and there's that word that John, the writer, uses 98 times. And when the Holy Spirit puts a word 98 times in a very short gospel, 21 chapters, he must want us to pay attention to that. You do not become saved. You do not get to heaven by doing good works. I grew up in that church. It doesn't happen. No one is in heaven because they did good works. Anyone who is in heaven is because they believed that Jesus took their sin on the cross so that they wouldn't have to pay the price, the punishment that they do. First person, I don't have to take the punishment on me that Jesus took on himself on the cross so that I have this joy of saying God died for me. So do I believe that? Yes. As much as I'm sitting here, as much as I'm breathing, as much as I know my heart is beating, which of you convicts me of sin, Jesus said. Now, I wouldn't say that to this crowd. Some of you are from Redlands and you know me. <laughs> but Jesus could say this, okay? Which of you, who can say that I've ever sinned is what he said. Name it. Tell me when it happened. I won't ask for a show of hands. How many? Well, I could do that, Pastor. And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears only or truly God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. You're not hearing. They're like teenagers, okay? Their tympanic membranes work. The auditory canal is in place, and all the neural pathways are there to the brain. But if you're a teenager, I'm sorry. But something happens at about 12, and hormones start to come in, and you lose your hearing or it's called selective perception, okay? Mama's talking, her lips are moving, <laughs> but you're not hearing because you don't want to hear what mom and dad are saying, the teacher, etc. And your hearing that way only comes back to when you're about 40. <laughs> Those of you parents with children who are teenagers, I need to pray for you, I'm so sorry. That's what's going on here. These men didn't want to hear. Could they hear? Sure. Did they understand his words? They didn't want to understand his words, so they just put their fingers in their ears, right? Figurative. The Jews answered and said, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Huh? 
their name calling. Okay, in that day, the Samaritans lived in a certain part of Israel, the West Bank, we call it today, and they had been moved from there by the Assyrian army, and the Assyrian army brought in foreigners from other places, but they left some of the priests there, and so they were still practicing the rituals, but they weren't pure racial prejudice here, simple racial prejudice. They didn't believe the Samaritans were Jews because they didn't base their religion on belief, but upon a person's heritage. So this is a prejudice statement. Jesus, you're just a Samaritan. What was the connection? Samaritans didn't believe the Jews were children of Abraham either. They thought they were the true children of Abraham because that was where Abraham came and Jacob and on and on and so on. So they're saying, you must be like those Samaritans who don't believe that Jews are in fact the descendants of Abraham. They weren't listening. They still don't get what Jesus is saying. And that you have a demon because in that day having a demon meant that you were just stupid that you were having some mental difficulties. Jesus said, I don't have a demon. Now, if I was God, I would have sent down bolt of lightning at this moment. But that's why I'm not God and why you're glad I'm not God either. He simply said, I don't have a demon, but I'm honoring my father, capital F, God, and you dishonor me. You're taking shots at me. He's saying, you don't realize that I am God the Son. And I don't seek my own glory. I'm not here to lift myself up. But there is one who seeks and judges. Seeks what? Worship. Where does it say that? Woman at the well, a Samaritan, is at Jacob's well. We looked at it in John 40. Go back and read it this afternoon for extra credit. And she comes, she comes in the middle of the day because the other women talked about her. She'd been married five times. Now she's just living with a guy, the sixth guy. And she comes and there's Jesus sitting there. And Jesus said, would you give me water to drink? And she said, well, you don't have any way to get water. What are you doing here? And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for water, living water. And she said, are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well? If you go there today, it's still called Jacob's well. And she said, well, you Jews say that you worship down in Jerusalem. We said we worship up here on Mount Ebal. And Jesus said, the time is coming and now is when those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why in this church, we start with worship, music. You have worshiped God, and now you are studying his word. You are in the center of the will of God right this moment. I guarantee you, I can guarantee that you are at the right place at the right time. I can't tell you about the attitude of heart, you can be in the right place at the wrong time with the wrong attitude of heart. You know, maybe your wife drug you here and you're going, oh my goodness, this guy can't stop talking. Get him. What's he doing up there? I thought there were pastors. What, he's playing guitar. What has he got to say to me? Or, for whatever reason, but God is smiling at you because you are sitting where you're supposed to be at this instant. You have worshiped God 
and now you're hearing his word. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. Wow, how strange. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, continues, it's present tense, he will never see death. Wow. Surrendering and following Jesus brings something called eternal life, age-abiding life, age that continues on and on. This is his first statement about eternity. We're in the middle of a teaching from Pastor Ed Ray, and this is Grow in Grace. Let's get back to the message. I wanted you to see the intensity of the Jews who understood that Jesus was claiming to be God Almighty right in front of them. Their response is they want to kill him. But he brings up this subject of eternity that goes on and on and on. So I want you to, to keep that in mind as we look at these seven verses leading up to that statement, I am. Then the Jews said to him, again, Jewish leadership, Pharisees said, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead for 2,000 years. And the prophets, they're dead too. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? That would be funny if they weren't serious. Who is dead? And the prophets, they're all dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? They ask him, just tell us plainly, who are you? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. Father God has given me great honor, verse 55. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I don't know him, I'll be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. When it says word, I mean to know, K-N-O-W, it means intimately, a very personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's what God is looking for with these men who are arguing with Jesus and what God is looking for with you and me. 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Literally, it says, and he greatly rejoiced. This is talking about, and you can read it later this afternoon, Genesis 18. So Jesus shows up pre-incarnate Christ before he had come into the world. He shows up with a couple of angels and they meet Abraham out in Mamre, this, this village. And Abraham's in his tent and they have a discussion. Abraham serves lunch, they talk. And then Jesus says to him, you're going to have a son. And Abraham's wife, Sarah, is in the tent. This is, and she laughed. She laughed because she said, I'm 80 years old. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby now? I don't think so. And Abraham started to chuckle. He said, I'm 100 years old, and I'm going to have a baby boy with my wife? But he started to laugh and enjoy it and realized it was God he was talking to. And listen, he believed God. He believed God, and God took that to bless him. He said, because you've believed my words, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the grains of sand in the desert. And I will bless those people that bless your children. 
and I will curse those people who curse your children. That's God's blessing on Abraham, and that's what Jesus is referring to. He was rejoicing. He was happy. In fact, he was so happy he named the little boy when it was born laughter. That's what Isaac means. It means laughter. So he is rejoicing. And the Jews just said to him, you are not 50 years old yet. And you have seen Abraham? That was 2,000 years ago. You're saying you saw Abraham? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, and look at the tenses of the verbs here, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was past tense, I am is present tense. Before Abraham was born, I was already there. But he's saying something much broader than that because he's talking about being the eternal being that has no origin, no starting point. And that's a hard concept to get your mind around. The concept of time. I have not done a good job in the past and I struggled all this last two weeks trying to figure out how to describe to you a simple idea for what time is. So. We know it as the fourth dimension. That This room is really just a box. And it has height, one dimension. It has width, another dimension. And it has depth, from me to the back wall. Three dimensions. We live in three dimensions, but there's a fourth dimension that you cannot see. In this box, in creation, God created a construct called time. How so? Best illustration of that part of it is at this moment, I'm here. Two moments later, I'm over here, and I'm no longer here. So there is your fourth dimension in a physical way. But it's more complicated than that. How in the world do I help someone really understand eternity? Ta-da! So this rope goes all the way around the corner into the doorway, and then it goes around the earth eight times. Bear with me, pretend. <laughs> and then it heads out into outer space. And it goes 13.8 billion light years to the edge of the cosmos. That's the length of this rope, okay? This red part is the length of your life. You will live from here to here, and then you will go somewhere for the rest of the rope eight times around the earth and 13.8 billion light years away, traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second for 13.8 billion years. Why in the world do people worry about this little section of this red part, your life, when there's all this that goes on and on and on. Why do we worry about something that happened somewhere in here and let it impact our life for the rest of our lives? Pick up a victim mentality and say, I, oh, it was because of my kindergarten teacher or my high school teacher or, or whoever else. Get over it. God wants to change you, change your eternal destiny 
not just for this time, but from here for 13.8 billion light years and still going. Infinity, no finite, without measurement is what that statement says. Jesus makes the claim to be eternally existent. Now, some argue, but just because I, I know some of you have had philosophy and theology, that the creator can't be in the box, okay? Can't be in time, because then he's handcuffed. Listen, the God we serve can exist in the box and outside of time, and has the ability to move in and out of the box, as Jesus did when he came to earth, what's correctly called the incarnation, that flesh, God took on flesh, compressed his greatness down into a little tiny baby, eight, nine pounds. So he has no origin, no starting point, but he also continues as far back as you go, can possibly go in your brain, as far forward as far as you can possibly go in your brain and then beyond that. The Jews' word for eternity means parallax. Parallax in physics is two railroad tracks out through 29 palms. And you stand on the railroad tracks and you look down the track, looks perfectly straight, and where the two lines converge, that's parallax, that's the Hebrew word for eternity. It's beyond eternity. That way, and then turn around, and look down the tracks that way, and it's beyond where the tracks go together just because your eyes can't define them any longer. And that is this thing that Jesus is saying to the Jews. Now, more importantly, he used a Greek word, ego amy. It's appeared in the Gospel of John before. But it is the same words that Jesus said from the burning bush to Moses when Moses said, who do I tell Pharaoh has sent me? And he said, I am that I am. I am the self-existent one. I cause myself to exist. I have no beginning, I have no end, I always have been, I always will be. Tell Pharaoh that's who you're talking to. Now he says it in front of the Jewish leaders who understood that passage of Exodus chapter three profoundly. Only one person could possibly call themselves Yahweh and not die in Jerusalem. That would be God himself. And this was God himself, but they didn't get it. What happened? They took up stones to throw at him, verse 59. Jesus hid himself, went out of the temple, and going right through the midst of them, he passed by. I don't know how he went right through the midst of them. Some people think he disappeared. He entered a different dimension. There are at least 11 dimensions besides what we've talked about. Maybe he just did a sleight of hand trick. I don't think so. Did he vaporize? I don't know. All we read is what it says. He passed by, just like that. Boom. Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, 
and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. And if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help. Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Come back next time as we open up John chapter 9 and hear the testimony of a man who was once blind but now can see. That's next time on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith.